0: I don't know about you, but this is like one of those Sundays, right? You're like, whew, like, you gotta <laughs> man, lots of great stuff. Um well, welcome everybody. So glad to see so many faces here today. And also those of you guys online, we are really glad that you're able to worship with us from wherever you are. Maybe you're at the beach right now. That's okay. We're gonna give you credit there. So um, just welcome everybody. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at Table Life Church, and um it's a really great Sunday to be together to join together in worship, and um, and so today we're starting a new st- series called Story Time. And you might like kind of look at the logo and see something familiar there. Yeah, there's like that what that Buzz Lightyear movie that's just come out, and so we've got a little Toy Story theme, but the theme of Story Time uh that we're going to be walking through during the rest of the summer so this is going to be uh for our kind of like summer series and and so I want to ask all of you how many of you love a good story a good story right okay show of hands how many of you guys are big time readers you love novels. Yeah, we got quite a few hands here. Okay, just a little note. We're thinking of putting a book club maybe together sometime in the future. That might be something of your interest. Um, how many are avid moviegoers or movie watchers? Yeah, yeah. How many of you guys have been back to the movies since like COVID and the pandemic and stuff? I know I've, I've I have yet to go, but uh, it seems to be getting back into action. How about this? How many of you are writers of stories? We've quite a few writers here too. Maybe, maybe you're putting in your own novel together, and and I think when it comes to stories, we all love them in in some way. Whether we're making them, writing them, putting them together, or we're watching them, observing them, reading them, and maybe even this summer, maybe over like you know the Fourth of July holiday, or maybe you have a family reunion that everybody gets together. Isn't that the time that like you tell lots of stories? Like, campfires are great for that. You sit together. Uh, you have the older people telling embarrassing stories of their kids, their adult children that makes them want to get up and walk away. All those types of stories. But stories together are powerful things. They, they pull emotions from within us. That's why we tear up when we're watching a movie or even reading a good story. They're kind of means of connection and today we're going to start off this series with a powerful story that jesus told but first first i have a little bit of a confession of sorts um and I kind of appreciate this now, but I want to tell you of what I was thinking and experiencing as a child. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church in the Catholic tradition, and uh, our kind of like kids' Sunday school version was called CCD. I don't know if anybody can uh, relate to this. And if you can't, don't worry about it. but but I didn't go to like like church school on Sunday. We actually went on Monday on Monday nights. That was kind of one of the things that we that we did. and And in the classes that I went to, especially like you know going through like first through like fifth grade like we listen to a lot of like the bible stories and kind of going through you know you got noah and you got joseph and then you get to jesus and the sermon on the mount and all that stuff and and so i began to get a picture through these stories that god was this like amazing god right like how great are you god like we just sang it like how amazing that god is and that god through all these stories he's doing these amazing things in people's lives and in the world and through people and then i went to church and i went to church and in people in church people were you know kind of singing like "Mm, mm, You know, like that. Like the music, at times, was really, really good, and other times was like, you know, there was kind of some off Sundays. And I'm not talking about our church here, but um, other some Sundays, it's totally like bored out of my mind. It was like, especially as a kid, like you're just like sitting there, you're like, you know, you're thinking of all the things that you would rather be doing. You know, then we would uh, go out afterwards, and you, you'd shake, go ahead and like shake the priest's hand or shake hands, and then of course you would do the best thing of the day go and eat, you know, you, that, that was like the best part. In other words, I had like read about this amazing God, heard all these stories about this amazing God, but then what I experienced was kind of this disconnect in church. And maybe your experience hasn't been that as dramatic, but maybe some of you have had that experience. Uh, sometimes, that, you know, that, that can still happen to me, and even in certain, I confess, even certain like religious settings where I'm kind of sitting there like, really? Like, like texting people, like trying to figure out, like, ah, like I thought that we're worshiping this like amazing God and then we're like seeing this. And, and so it could come to feel like, you know, that time after time and maybe even outside, I'm saying outside of worship here, like in your just like your daily life, it can be kind of like a daily grind that you kind of wonder like, is God like really real? Like I, he does this amazing stuff and then I like look around and like the coffee maker's not working, Right. And I look, or hey, I'm getting stuck in traffic on the way to work, and then this person's unhappy with me, and then I just got this memo, and then I have to stay late, and then the kids are, somebody's sick, I got the call, and I got to go, and there's like, you know, all this kind of stuff, and you kind of wonder, there's like, like, doesn't seem to match, right? Where's this God I read about? Have you ever wondered that? Well, if you have, then you'll understand the setting of the parable That I want to share with you today the parable that Jesus told and and see Jesus had a problem with the very first people he met the first people he encountered in his ministry and the problem was that at the beginning of his ministry these people didn't know Jesus yet you know when we read through scripture when we read through especially the gospels we know what that happens at the end of the story right they didn't they were meeting Jesus for the first time and so when he bursts on the scene, when he bursts on the scene in ancient Israel, he, he was going to become this kind of healer and teacher. But the truth is, even at that time, like, neither of those things really made someone special. There were other great teachers. There were people that did, like, kind of magic shows and magic at the time. And especially right away, it was not clear that Jesus was any different from anyone else, that he was just, like, another teacher another good guy but people were interested in him they were interested and they thought he was kind of cool especially the way that he would speak and the things that he would do but but then there began to be especially at the beginning this gap between what jesus was promising and what he was talking about and and this this idea of what they were seeing around them And so what Jesus was promising was really, really huge. So when picture this. When Jesus comes out of the wilderness, when he's ready, he's at the start of his ministry, his very first words, he says this in Mark 1.15. He says, the time has come. Like, wow, right? This is like the beginning of the movie. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the gospel. But the thing is, the people around him, Nobody knew who he was or what he was about. <laughs> they heard this. And the problem was that this was a really cool and a really good claim. See, the words kingdom of God, I want to just focus on there for a f- few minutes. The words kingdom of God at this time meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people back then. But basically, it's this idea of a whole new world order that's here now, that things are going to be different that God's promises are about to be fulfilled, that he's going to make things all new again. That's the intention. That all you have hoped for is at hand. And so Jesus is saying, well, so repent, so turn around from like what you were doing, what your old ways were, and believe it. And so Jesus here is making a huge claim as he starts his ministry on day one. But what people saw when Jesus was saying these words was a weird guy with a beard who told stories that they couldn't understand. And he did some fun things around Jerusalem, but that was really it, especially now. He's saying things are going to be different. There's this whole new era that is beginning right now, but imagine everybody's looking around at him as the bugs are kind of flying around the the desert terrain and they're kind of scratching their heads and saying, really? Like, this dude, isn't he like carpenter's son from this little town on the outskirts? Like, really? There's a disconnect. And so they got skeptical. They were skeptical. And and especially they grew up in a Jewish background. And so they had these stories, right? They knew the Josephs and the Abraham. And, you know, they knew of this big and powerful God. But then they see him, this bearded guy who's the son of a carpenter. And he doesn't really look the part and so they basically tell him in so many words like we don't believe you jesus like we don't believe you so jesus has to confront this and so he confronts this idea of the kingdom of god and the way he does that that the, the narrators of the gospels tell us is that he does this through parables that's the reason why he tells parables which are stories and i don't know i've i've know that i've i've met up with some of you guys for coffee i i absolutely love meeting people for coffee so if you would like to meet for coffee there's a um what's it there's a little card here that if you want to like mark coffee like it'll give me an excuse to like go and have some more coffee um but i love meeting for coffee and i love having pumpkin coffee if they do have it and they don't have it so um so i have to go to my like second choices and that kind of thing but um Sometimes I meet you for coffee, but other times I meet other people for coffee that are like outside the church and in the community or uh, through different ministries. It's always good to kind of network and have connections. That's how we're getting this this supper table ministry that we're starting in Le Moyne through different connections and all that stuff. But anyway, I like to meet for coffee. And um, sometimes I kind of get connected to somebody to meet for coffee, but I don't know what they look like. Have you ever had that happen? Like you're supposed to meet somebody. And you have absolutely you've never met them. maybe you've talked to them on the phone but you've never met them and you have no idea what they look like and so i don't know what your go-to is but my go-to is facebook kind of facebook stalk them try to get a picture right see what they look like and of course they always have their dog like posted as their profile picture so that does not help <laughs> And then there's people like myself that also have names that could be like either gender, like Chris. Like, are they a boy or are they a girl? Like, are they male or female? Like, I don't even know if I'm looking for a man or for a woman when they come in the door to meet for coffee at Starbucks. And so what do I do when I get there? Well, of course, they had the dog profile picture. I don't know if it's male or female. I just stand at the door and I start looking at everybody that walks through the door. And I look at them. And then like, look, are they looking for somebody first of all? And then if it's not, it's like, look down, right? You're like, look down, I'm like, nope, or look at the phone. The phone is always like the best thing to look at. And, and then I see somebody looking around and then starting to like wait. And then i like, eventually, if they're really looking around, they're really searching, I'll go up and say, hey, are you so-and-so? And sometimes like they say, oh yeah, sure. It's like, oh, nice to meet you. Other times they're like, no. And you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm looking really awkward and embarrassing. And so the point is, is that it's hard to see something if you don't know what it looks like. Right? It's hard to know somebody if you don't know what they look like, if you have no picture of what they look like. And it's hard to be ready if you don't know what the kingdom of God looks like. See, Jesus tells parables because people didn't understand what they were even looking for in the first place, just like my coffee meeting experience. And so the problem for them and for us is that we're so ready for God to show up in a big way, but the problem is we don't quite know what we're looking for. We don't know what the kingdom of God should be looking like. And We often make assumptions, right? We make assumptions on what people have told us or what we see or kind of things we've experienced, we're taught things, we're come from different ideologies and and so but it's hard to see something when you don't know what it looks like. And so Jesus, Jesus is smart. He tells them, he tells the people this parable. And this parable takes all of 30 seconds to read. It's a super shorty. But it's found in Mark chapter 4. And Matthew and Luke also have their own versions of this story. So it's probably very popular for Jesus to tell. And so Mark tells us, this this is the story. He says, again, he, Jesus, said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. What did he say? He said, the kingdom of God is like, well, it's like a what? A mustard seed. A mustard seed. You know, don't you love Jesus? And then he kind of describes it. Don't you love Jesus? He's saying, that the kingdom of God is like a bush. What? it's like a bush it's like a bush that grows up on the side of the road but but we also have to understand like what the first hearers, what people would have heard because for us like a mustard seed kind of has one idea and they probably have different ideas because what do you think of when you hear must the word mustard what do you think of hot dogs right or or a good philly soft pretzel right one of the good things one of the only things that good to come out of philly right and I say that with, with all love, besides yeah, my, besides my Eagles fans and friends, but but soft pretzels, hot dogs, like we put the mustard. I don't know. Some people like had French fries. Do you ever dip like your French fries in mustard? I don't. Know, don't confess that, please. Really disgusting. Um, but but it was very different for them at the time. That mustard wasn't a weird thing to them and they didn't have hot dogs, you know, they didn't eat pork, and even if they're beef, you know, they didn't eat that. Um, but that, wasn't, that was kinda different, it, mustard wasn't weird. And, and so some people would also argue too, Jesus is saying, well, it's a small seed, uh, but it's not the smallest seed, right? Like Jesus was wrong there, it wasn't the smallest seed and it doesn't grow the biggest. But basically what he's describing is this bush that often would be found in a roadside ditch. It's that thing that kind of grows up in the ditch on the side of the road. But the mustard seed was actually a proverb in early Judaism. It was actually a proverb. And sure, it was small, and it produced a big, maybe not the biggest, but a big bush. But it it was kind of a saying that was used to say, like, like, he's as strong as an ox, right? Is an ox the strongest thing? Like, no, but an ox is strong, It works, right? It was a saying that other people had used. And so he's picking up on a proverb that other people would have understood. And this mustard would grow about like 10 feet high or so, actually, which is a pretty decent um, size. And what else? Well, mustard mustard was also kind of a pain. (laughs) It was kind of a pain because once planted, it would grow quickly and could take over your entire garden. It's kind of like, I think of it today as one of those, my um, friends know this, but I absolutely hate those pokeberry bush things. The the, the things that like grow with the berries, they like don't die. Like you cut them and then they keep growing back. They cut them, they keep growing back. They grow like, like super high. And then you try to cut them and then you get like poison sumac all over you and wind up itching for weeks. But it was a kind of a pain. It was a pain. Once it was planted, it grew quickly. It would take over your garden. So it was viewed as a weed. It was super annoying. So that must have begged the question, like a good analogy for Jesus stuff, huh? A good analogy for the kingdom of God? I mean, I know some of us have been annoyed by church people and Jesus before, you know, especially those that represent the wrong type of Jesus. They could say, well, that's been annoying. But, but the thing is, people would have recognized the contrast to say this mustard seed is small, but it grows fast but you also got to be careful you know why because it's wild it's wild it doesn't necessarily do what you want it to do so the kingdom of God is like a bush an out of control wild bush that takes over but starts super small And, and so an immediate thought you know, many of us might have, well, but Jesus, isn't there something better? Wouldn't you have like a better illustration for this? You know, if you characterize the kingdom of God, wouldn't you, maybe it would be, if you have an illustration, it would be a, you know, it would be a tiger coming in and like ripping people's heads off, right? Or a bomb exploding, like boom, just destroy everything. Or maybe an army or magic. But I think it's, it's something that Jesus wanted to point to because of that significance of small becoming greater simple becoming more a a friend of mine son asked um, asked him um had you know kids have all these questions about three or four and he asked him you know god dad why did God create numbers and the dad's like um I don't know like he just like he made up some kind of answer or whatever and the kid said well I think I know why he said I think God made numbers so we can count things very simple right how simple and dad's like yes yes right how simple but isn't it true how we complicate things so much we complicate things we just get out of control and it's it's just something very very simple and i think that's the mustard seed the story is quite simple it's difficult to live out but the meaning is quite simple and jesus's point is that greatness always begins as smallness. Greatness always begins as smallness. Before you see something as great, it has to be seen as small. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise the small beginnings. Favorite verse of mine. Isn't that true though? That something that turns great, it has to start small and you don't usually see the significance when it is small. I mean, even this church, there's a few, some of you guys might not know the history here, but this church um, was, if we talk about the people, right, we moved to this building, we uh, built this building in 1952-ish. But before, way before that, there was a little group in this community in New Cumberland that started a revival downtown in New Cumberland, 1939. And so from that revival grew a group of people and had their first charter members who were 26 people. 26 people started what was New Cumberland First Church of the Nazarene, which later it was turned to Table Life Church, starting very small. And come to think of it, what do Apple, Google, Amazon, Harley, Disney, and Mattel all have in common? They all started in a garage interesting huh all great things start in garages or basements they start small see jesus nobody could see jesus's greatness on day one nobody could see it they saw an ordinary guy an ordinary guy who was kind of a gifted teacher if you will and they saw ordinary things around them And even today, you know, we may think and some people will say, well, then Jesus, you know, he was just a a normal guy. Maybe he was a kind of a psycho at some points and talking about things, doing things. But certain people have an ability to see in small things a potential for greatness. And now I want you to imagine something because then Mark continues and says this. He says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand he did not say anything to them without using a parable he loved stories but when he was alone with his disciples he explained everything and what's also interesting is that when jesus would end these parables end these stories and we'll see this over the next several weeks is that he would end them often in a certain way and mark 4 9 tells us then jesus said whoever has ears to hear let them hear whoever has ears to hear let them hear like not just like like passing by in one ear at the other here but let them let them absorb and let them take on and let them understand these words this story that i just shared see scripture tells us that we are part of god's mustard seed kingdom but the thing is like your painting project that you had an idea and you're like oh i gotta get started and like you know you moved everything and like what it's not finished yet and it's been several months right or your home project that you had a great idea and you wanted to get that begun and there's pieces still all over the floor see just like those things god's kingdom is not finished yet it's not finished yet we still, in some way, we still have, in one sense, have one foot in the kingdom of the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, but the thing is, Christ's coming initiated God's kingdom for us. The question is, though, do we see it? Do you see it? Do you have a mustard seed mentality? Do you have a mustard seed mentality about church, Right? Like you said, you know, God does all these things and miracles and all. Like, do you have a mustard seed mentality? Do you see him at work? In your work, do you have a mustard seed mentality? The, The small things, seeing them as what God may be doing in your neighborhood, in your marriage, in your life. Do you have a mustard seed mentality? Because I promise you, you will never see the greatness of God if you'll never see the smallness of God. You'll never experience the greatness of God in life if you never believe that God is also present in the normal, everyday smallness, the things that we tend to ignore and overlook, the mundaneness and the wildness and chaos. Trust that it's there and it's growing. It's growing, that God is at work, that it seems small, and maybe even for you, maybe it's your faith. You know, you're like, oh, I just keep, like, I'm not sure, and I keep failing. Maybe your faith is small, but isn't that a good reminder? Like, God can work with that little mustard seed faith, that God can do something out of that, and maybe you just have to start small, because the mustard seed in your life is doing something and unless we see and trust that god is present in the small things in small places even among small people then we're not going to see the great things and in fact i think jesus's parables overall are invitations to us to imagine and to begin to see the world differently And what I understand is that, you know, a lot of us, we can be frustrated um, between the the great things of God and kind of the yuckiness of life, maybe on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or you just kind of scratch our heads and, and wonder. And sometimes it can be frustrating or, or, or just kind of make you feel less of a person when you, when you know you see someone's life and you see how God is actively transforming them. Or maybe they were a drug dealer and now they're not and they had this renewed form of life and they, because of Jesus. And then you kind of like look at your life and you're like, it's kind of not as dramatic. It's kind of boring. Like I didn't have all that stuff. I didn't have that. And so it can kind of get us out of perspective to say, well, but maybe just as much as he is at work there, he's at work here. But for me, it's having the eyes to see and the ears to hear what he is doing. See, when we can see Jesus as something and as someone who we can believe and trust in, we begin to see him even in the midst of the messiness in our lives. We can see that hey you know what I'm not the best person that hey we're a church that's trying to figure things out there are times that we are inadequate there are times when you and I break promises there are times when our relationships are messy and they're complicated there are times when we're not who we claim to be that we pretend there are times that we doubt God and what he may be doing and and there are times when we don't even believe in ourselves and we want god to do something but it's quite elusive but friends in those places we have to be reminded that we're citizens of the kingdom of god that it's already begun and the kingdom in the kingdom of god small things become great realities ordinary things like a mustard seed just a tiny mustard seed Can give birth to something beautiful and new and it's time to believe that greatness is possible even if we don't see greatness now because why because god is at work in small things but my question to you is simple do you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear let's pray